Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ultra Crew Up podcast. On this episode, we will be talking with Gary and Ross about their experience at the 2023 No Business 100. This race is 102 miles with nearly 15,000 feet of gain and 15,000 feet of loss and covers two states. It begins in Jamestown, Tennessee at the Pickett CCC Memorial State Park and loops back around by way of crossing the state line into Kentucky. This course is ran each year in the reverse direction of the year prior. It is truly one of a kind. Gary and Ross are a great team and guide us through this event in a clockwise direction. Gary is an accomplished runner and this is his second time running the event, giving him the elusive double buckle. Ross supported Gary and was key in Gary's success and in getting him across the finish line. This is a great conversation and these guys don't miss a beat. Let's get into it. My wife has been my crew chief forever. I've started running ultras in 20, my first was a 50 miler in 2012 uh, here in Denver. And uh, we had, I had a buddy who had done his first 100 in 2011. And so we, our little crew of friends just kind of fell in love with ultra running. And um, we, we were like pretty organized pretty quickly. Um, okay. My wife is really detail oriented and you know, we had, and my buddy's sister, you know, we're all friends. Like she's real detail oriented and like she's been his crew chief. So we, we've like, we've got it pretty dialed over the years. And, um, so my wife actually had a, like a, when I was pacing my buddy at, I was actually getting ready. I was in uh, whatever that park is getting ready to get my bib, uh, or getting ready to go to lambs to pace my buddy and got a, you know, a note from my wife, you know, one of those call me, you know, messages. It's like, Oh no. Okay. And she had fallen and like broken her shoulder. Um, oh, no. So like, yeah, like what, just a freak out, you know, walk along, moment of inattention, tripped on some uneven sidewalk and like did that kind of extra step that launches you forward even faster and like fell on her shoulder. Yeah. So broke her humerus right below the ball, joint on her shoulder and was like, um, yeah, in a ton of pain and stuff. And I was like, so I had to just like go start pacing with my wife on our way to the emergency room with some friends, not knowing kind of what's going to happen. Um, she's fine. Um, doing well, but okay. I put like her crewing me at no business, you know, like three weeks later or what, four weeks later, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think once that was four weeks out, I was like, oh no, she might not be able to crew. So she was kind of debating around. So I actually asked Ross, my old buddy who has okay. done uh, some trail stuff of his own and has been around our crew of friends for years. And, um, I was like, well, Ross could come, even if my wife comes out, Ross could be the muscle. They like carry stuff around while she's hobbled or whatever. Or drive. Yeah. Drive. Or if she doesn't feel like it, uh, if she doesn't feel like she'd be able to, you know, manage, he could just be my crew. So it worked out okay. um, that she did not come out. And so it was, it was uh, the Ross and Gary party for no business 2023. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Boys week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Well, cool. That's awesome. So Ross, what's your, what's your background with, with running an ultra and, and all that fun stuff? Oh, well, I've known this guy for a very long time. Gary and I yeah. go back. Um, 20, 20 plus years now at this point. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, we, we played music together and, uh, and he started running and, um, I actually, I, I find it really, uh, amazing that he can do all these crazy things. Uh, I know that he's 
as is most of the ultra running community, they're just a little bit um, special uh, when it comes to choosing <laughs> to do the walk <laughs> to stay the least, right? <laughs> Uh, but it's fascinating and, uh, the community around it is really great. So I ended up, um, just going to, uh, the Leadville trail marathon with him, uh, one year that he ran it, I think the first year that you ran it, uh, and just hanging out at aid stations yeah, yeah. and, and whatnot, um, to cheer him on. And it kind of got in my, got in my soul. Like I love the people and the, uh, the whole community around it. Um, uh, couple years later uh he talked me into trying to run the leadville marathon myself okay so nice i trained for nine months and and <laughs> went and uh attempted to run that marathon missed a cutoff and uh got about 17.3 miles down uh, but i went to the starting line at 300 pounds and i'm six foot so i'm uh I've trimmed down since then but didn't finish and i you know I'm done with the the running thing. I like being around the community. <laughs> so I've been to a couple other uh, races uh, with Gary and I crewed him out in uh, Moab uh, when he ran a, was that a 50 mile or a 50 K? It was a 50 K. The RG is showing his old Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's another guy. So, weekend. Yeah. Well, it was a good time. Uh, and yeah, my, uh, one of my sisters runs, she's not ultra, but she, she runs. I've done some, uh, race stuff with her too. So yeah, just wanted to nice. you know, go out with this guy and help him get across the finish line. Cool. And I, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think that's what's unique about ultras. Yeah. You, if you don't want to run, you can you just be a crew, part of the community and just hang out. I mean, we've, we've become friends with so many people from every single yeah. race that I ever come back from and we still stay in touch with them and yeah. You know, they're always hitting us up like, Hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? I might need a pacer or a crew or, you know, we ask them and we kind of bounce the ideas. So yeah, it's, I mean, we've met some great people. We've met people from all over the world, even in your a, yeah. we met a guy, I think he's from uh, Pete from New Zealand. Oh, wow. So yeah, he came out to help, help somebody. And yeah. Did you do the Ura 50 or the Ura 100? The Ura 100. Oh, you did? Did you finish? I've heard, I've done it too. I've done it the last two years. It's my, or, yeah, if, I, if I'm not getting into hard rock, I'm already out there about my time for hard rock. So yeah. I'm going to stay and run your I love that race. I've already signed up for it this year. So I, I'm, I'm curious about that race. Like that it's a month. Ross, FYI. Hey, I, have you looked it up? You know, this race, I, I know the race. Your race is my favorite town in Colorado. So I know. Know. I've been waiting for you to run it. So I have an excuse. It's like, it's really already. Gary, let's go across the street. Man, sounds awesome. Oh, put it on the list. <laughs> well, not to scare you, but I was trying to figure out some things this for this this upcoming yeah. year. And I went back and looked at my splits from Ura, and I ran the first fifty-two miles in fifteen hours and like twenty minutes. And oh, that <laughs> oh, but then I turned around and ran the next fifty-two in thirty hours. I don't know. That'll learn you. Was it by his ass? I got on the back half of that what course. Is, negative splitting. Like, how do you? There's even splitting, negative splitting, and then like double stream and positive. Stream positive. Double positive split series. <laughs> double strong positive splits. It's really fun. Oh, uh, that was. 
because I was asked, I, my goal last year, I ran it in 41 hours. Okay. And I kind of did the same thing. I ran the first 50 in like, so I think it was like 16 and a half hours. Okay. And then the next 50 was just a complete blow up. It was like 25 hours. And I'm like, okay, I kind of know what, what went wrong. But I mean, 30 hours this, this past year. So I think great. I took a few naps and I mean, it was hot and I was puking and it was pretty rough. And I mean, we'll say I want this year. We're just brutal, but it's a, it's an amazing race. If, yeah. You know, I've watched a couple of films on it. Like, I think there's one with Avery Collins. And I think there's another one. Like it looks awesome. I've been fortunate enough the last two years that I've ran it. Perfect weather. Oh, yeah. never got snuck, never got stuck in a in a rainstorm or a snowstorm. Never had lightning. I mean, have just had perfect, beautiful weather last two years. I'm hoping it continues on this year. So, unless, yeah, unless I get into hard rock, and then then we'll have to rethink your A. But so. Well, anyway, yeah. So let's just let's just dive right into Nobo. Did you know anybody out there that did the? They call it the No No. Oh, uh, not this year, but actually, uh, Ross and I, when I picked him up from the airport, we ran by. There's this really great outdoor store in Nashville called um, Cumberland Transit, and the, and Jason Thielen, who made the film about the No No, he actually is the manager there, and we talked to Jason for a few minutes that day. So, oh, nice. talked about the no, no, but I don't think anybody did it this year. Um, oh, dude, there's there's been some, uh, you know, I've gotten to know the race director a little bit, and he said there's been people asking him to like make it an official thing, and he's like, oh, that's a that's a that's a big ask for you know, a whole another. I mean, that's you know, because that's just keeping that's having aid stations for you know like four days or whatever it's technically exactly it's a it's a tough ask but particularly in that terrain which we'll talk about like it's it uh there's some long distances some long drives between places there but but yeah no one did the no no that i am aware okay cool and we're looking for listeners the no no go look up the film like it's a great little film oh, about yeah. it. jason thielen who did basically that he did the loop in one direction and then got back to the start right before the start of the race and did it the other direction all one of so race direction yeah it's a really yeah. it's a really good film so check it out put yeah, it in the show area i i don't know if you know this but uh when you asked me to crew for this race um you know we had watched that film a while back you we did you and i yeah we you did. and i oh fine watched that film and you asked me to watch or you asked me to crew and i was like oh i gotta go find that film because i need to know what, oh. what i'm doing uh and so i watched it like the week before yeah after i got back from alaska how sweet Awesome. Now that is that is a good film. I've watched it a few a few times myself. So yeah, we'll put a little link to the in the show notes on that so people can go out and take a look at it. Because it is interesting to go out and run it in both directions. I mean, you're putting on two hundred plus miles, so it's pretty free terrain. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll just we'll just start off by uh I'll let you guys take over and just kind of walk us through um or or talk to where did you guys, did you fly in, drive in, um, things like that? Where did you stay? Um, kind of cut yeah. off from there and give the listeners an idea of coming into the, to the Jamestown area. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start and Ross, you can chime in. Um, so I became familiar with race. I did it in 2020, the COVID year. So I did it in the counterclockwise direction then. And that's when I first heard about the idea of the double buckle that if you go both direction, 
then uh, they have a special double buckle that you can get. So I've been I'd been interested in it uh, for a while, and then last year I actually volunteered at the race and ran social media for them during the race. Oh, nice. uh, and that uh, and that was a low key self interested effort to like um, make sure that if they went lottery style, I would have it in with <laughs> the race oh, director. Brian and I become have become friends, but it, it's a race that is not far out from having a lottery. So. It's it sells out within an hour. I think it sold out like in forty under forty minutes or something this year. So it's really grown in popularity. I think it's it's a phenomenal race, phenomenal location, phenomenal time of year. Um, it's the it's in the western Appalachian foothills, and the mm-hmm. leaves are popping off, going crazy. So the region is just it's it's stunningly beautiful. And there's where it sits. So if you um, there's Nashville on kind of the western part of Tennessee, Knoxville on kind of the east, and then if about halfway between those, if you just went a bit north, almost the Kentucky border is that area. And it's a pocket of backcountry. Like there's nothing out there. Like it is the, mm-hmm. it's one of the most, it's full of backcountry out there. So that appealed to me too, when I started thinking about it. So when I did it in 2020, I flew into Nashville. Um, I think it's actually about the same distance if you flew into Knoxville. Um, I've okay. not flown into Knoxville, but that is a possibility as well race director and his wife and a whole bunch of people who do the race are from the Knoxville area. Um, so I, if Knoxville is a better airport, that might not be a bad way to go, but it, either way, it's about two hours from the airport to Jamestown, that area. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a haul, but Jamestown is, you know, it's a good sized town with a Walmart and grocery stores. There's a couple other towns nearby. Oneida is another town. Um, yeah, sure. I've stayed, I stayed near Oneida, um, in 2020 stayed in just outside of Jamestown this year. Um, so yeah, getting, getting there, getting in and out is actually quite easy. It's just a bit of a drive. Um, you know, so the Jamestown area is, is quite nice. Um, it's, it, there's a lot of backcountry near there, but it's, it's civilized, you know, it feels, you know. Yeah. Looking at the map, I mean, it's, it's kind of like stuck right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, the big South yeah. Fork yeah. National River Wreck area. Yeah. It's kind of stuck yeah. right there. Yeah, the Big South Fork Wilderness is, if you're wanting pictures and stuff like that, it's a national recreation area. And there's another park called Pickett State Park that the mm-hmm. start and finishes in Pickett State Park uh, in the group camp area. So it's um, stunning beauty. And they, they, they call it the Moab of the East, which is kind of really? weird to think. But there's a ton of sand, big like arches and rock formations and rock mm-hmm. caves and stuff. It's, okay. it's, all underneath, it's all underneath the canopy of deciduous forest. So... If oh, you, wow. If you put deciduous forest on top of Moab, it would almost be like that. So a lot yeah. of the surface underneath foot, it's not mud. It's almost like a mix of sand and mud. Like it's real sandy at points. Like it's really, it's a really unique environment. Um, so there's, uh, you know, there's, there's images from the race photographers and stuff. You run underneath this big twin arch. Like um, it's crazy, like hundred foot, you know, span arches, sand, you know, rock, rock houses, rock wow. houses. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, I bet that's just I bet that looks amazing. It it's pretty stunning. Uh, it really is. So, yeah. So getting in and out of there is easy. Ross, what would you say about kind of Ross? Also loves driving, so he became a uh, driver uh, the moment I picked him. Yeah, at the airport. <laughs> yeah, I picked him. He picked me up at the airport, and uh, we got about five minutes out of the airport, and uh, I took over. Took over driving because he had a, a slight uh, oh. migraine. So, oh yeah, I, I, was a little, I was a little scared. 
scared actually uh, <laughs> that things weren't going to go well. So we pulled over on the side of the road and I took over driving. Uh, okay. But yeah, get, getting there was pretty easy uh, overall. Uh, main highway for for quite a bit. And then uh, yeah, just a principal highway. Really nice, windy, curvy road through just beautiful country like yeah appalachia it just it was a great time of year to be there too um yeah. and yeah i mean it was uh it was a good day going from mm-hmm. you know to the, the cumberland uh, uh transit and seeing all that stuff in in that's what it is right cumberland transit yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah the other thing i would say the other thing I would say too is that that area is really popular with horseback riding. So there, okay. there's actually there's a bit of a vacation structure there. So there are a lot of like VRBOs. Yeah, um, there's a couple of resorts. So it wasn't hard to find a VRBO. There's not okay. a ton of motel. There's not a ton of motel rooms like in Jamestown. It's a little small, but there's a lot of like you know vacation rental type structure. A couple of lots. Okay, that's good to know. Resorts and stuff. Yeah, it's um. So, I mean, if you're interested in the race, like, again, there's, you know, I think 300 or so runners, you know, come there. Um, so it, things filled up, but also because this, the start finishes at this group camp area, they have bunk houses. Like you can rent a bunk like for like 10 bucks a night or something like there. It's kind of crappy old church camp type camp. Oh, like it, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's not, <laughs> it's not the most glamorous accommodation, but it's right at the start finish and it's Very functional right there. <laughs> Super functional, um, and they have a giant field where if people want to pull up, uh, you know, the van life type sprinter vans or, or campers. Like, there's you can do that right there at the start finish too. I don't, I don't think there are RV hookups, but it's uh, it's all kind of right there in this this really great area. So you can tent camp, you can car camp, you can pull up an RV. You got, you got plenty of lot, plenty of options. Yeah, yeah. And that's like one of the one of the great things about this race is that start finish area. And then they have a big meeting house. Like the race directors cook breakfast. Like Shelly really? just she like yeah she like cooks bre- biscuits and gravy for everybody. So if you want biscuits and gravy for breakfast, it's fresh right there. breakfast. Well that's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's pretty pretty great. So nice. Yeah I was look, going over the I was going over the room information on the website and yeah they have the the group camp yeah um area the bunk the bunk house i think they said it's like bring your own linens couple mattresses on, yeah. the, on the floor or whatever yeah honestly at the end of a hundred i don't care you sleep anywhere <laughs> yeah you know, there's there, yeah there are a lot of people who do it for sure um where did you guys end up staying we stay i i i like having a vrbo like i, I wanted to have a, i went early i was there a week ahead just to kind of I like oh, okay. to clear my mind and just be on site and, you know, take long, lazy days, sleeping in and drop bags and stuff. So I, I rented a little cabin. I mean, it was like 500 square foot. It was tiny. And I'm six four in the roof, like the roof in the, in the kitchen was about 5'11". So I just went down to the hall. They can't help in the hobbits. They can't help just pumping into the light fixtures in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. That was the game. Yeah. my head on the on our light fixture. But, but it was highly restricted. Yeah, but uh, there's there's uh, there we, we did a similar thing in 2020. We had a VRBO by an because I was like I said I was there all week, going to be able to fix my meals and stuff. So um, so yeah, but we were only like 50. all right, cool. It's really nice to be <laughs> nice. I, no, that that's perfect. And I I'm kind of the same, Gary, where I like to get up to a race as, as early as possible. Yeah, and yeah. if I can be there a week or two weeks early, um. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll do it. I know Best. for your A because I volunteer at Hard Rock. I'm there 10 days oh, for my race. So, yeah, I kind of camp yeah. out the lawns there and just enjoy it. So, yeah, it's great. To yeah. Yeah. Get out there the a Yeah, the start finish logistics are great. Um, it's a 8 a.m. start, too. So, like, for me, like, you know, I, I led those my first 100. Like, like, you miss two nights of sleep, you know, because you just have to be up at 2 a.m. to get to the start line by 4. So an 8 a.m. start, I think, is perfect. Like, I love an 8 a.m. start because I get a full night's sleep. Like, you know, time to eat. You know, you're try to eat, you know, before the race or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was, so 8 a.m. start, the logistics are great. Like, it's, you know, um, people are, some people are eating the free breakfast that they provide. Some, you know, there's plenty of room for, there's tables and a couple tents. And so, like, there's plenty of room to just, like, finish. Foot. Great in Cool. So logistically getting into the start, the morning of the race, mm. traffic's is it is traffic light, heavy? I recommend yes. getting out there was no easy. no traffic no whatsoever, tons okay. of parking. Um yeah. you know, they okay. I mean, people are parked everywhere. They they send them over to the group camp area and then they overflow. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it's really easy. Yeah, and it's it's like a it's like a single entrance with a big loop around the camp and so yeah. like it's uh it's super easy easy flow like then like that's one it's it's such a good start finish area yeah hard to overstate like from from a crew perspective you know runners are all leaving and then everybody's like ready to get up and out uh and Mm -hmm. it was like it was just easy there was no traffic jam to leave which i've been at start finish lines before oh yeah it was like you just sit in your car and wait for 10 minutes for everybody to pile up while the runners are gone yep but it was no, crazy. that's awesome. That the yeah, that's definitely good to know. Yeah, and then the uh, the first cruise crew accessible spot in the clockwise direction is that. Yeah, it's about mile yeah. mile fifteen, and I think it's like it says. I mapped it. It said it's about a forty two minute drive. Is that is that pretty accurate? Yeah, uh, it's probably. If you're going right from the start finish line, I would say that that's that's reasonably accurate. Um, I went back to uh, the cabin for a little while, cleaned up before I went up there, and it was about okay. an hour and fifteen. Um, okay. But there are a couple of different ways to go. One is a uh, kind of a backwoods uh, gravel road through the the mountainous area, which was beautiful. I took that way, and the other way is kind of okay. a way that loops around and goes quicker. Okay. I, I loved the the back road. It was beautiful. The scenic, you didn't have to rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's why nice, I said crewing is the transit in between. It's like I don't have to hurry. My guys not the fast low in the world, so <laughs> I don't have to rush. Yeah. I'm good. Back of the bank. <laughs> if you have to rush, you probably want to. You know, you you want to get going. But there's plenty of time. 15 miles, like you got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Gary, what's the what's the terrain like? I mean, for you, fourteen miles. He's got a roughly an hour drive. Yeah, yeah. So the first stretch, um, going that direction, there are a couple of creek crossings, and there's a little bit of a conga line because uh, again, as Ross uh, so gently referenced, I'm not the fastest guy. I'm kind of at the back back of the hack, but um, from, but it, like that being said, you know, so there's a little bit of a conga line that slowed things down as people cross some streams there. It had rained all night the night before, so it was a little, it was a little sticky at points. Okay. Um, but uh, and then, uh, I mean, it's just running the east. Like being here in Colorado all these years, I, I wouldn't have said I was spoiled with trails because like they seem rough out here. But then 
you go east of the Mississippi, man, and it's like there's roots and there's rocks and there's leaves covering everything. Like you know, it's it's just it's a slower underfoot experience. Like I don't the fact that people do that race in under 20 hours is mind-bending to me because it's so like it's just hard underfoot like I, I i don't have anything to train on like that so the in in particular uh, after about mile eight or nine you get in you basically are kind of going up a canyon like the okay. trail kind of is a creek um until you you know you get to this into this canyon there's actually a beautiful waterfall like a little kind of trickle waterfall underneath a big rock cave um you, you climb up out of there right before Peter. So it's, uh, it's a, uh, there's quite a bit up and down. It's a tough stretch. I mean, the whole race is tough. It's kind of, the whole thing is kind of rel- relentlessly up and down. So, um, yeah, sure. so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but kind of no drama. Um, okay. Beautiful morning. Um, cool. that was, that was, yeah, those were the happy times before the, before the chasing was cut off. <laughs> yeah, it was, I thought, it was a good place to hang out too. There was plenty of space um, along yeah. where the runners are coming in. Easy to see where they were coming from, and okay, you know, there's there's this whole line kind of going up to where they have the aid station that everybody was lined up on either side. Um, I hung out by the the tent and I talked to a couple of the guys there for an hour and a half or so since uh, the condo line slowed down his uh, his anticipated time. It wasn't too, yeah, too yeah. far behind where yeah. we were, but yeah. Pretty simple, yeah. not, and and not a lot of, I guess, not. You said easy to get to, not a lot of heavy traffic. How was that aid station in general? Yeah, I. I was gonna say from a parking perspective. From a parking perspective, uh, you have to. You're gonna park and walk a little ways because there's no parking area. It's all on the side of the road, right? Um, so I parked down the hill a little bit and hauled my stuff up, um, for a little five minute walk, but it wasn't wasn't terrible. Uh, from a runner's perspective, that's that's up to Gary. Yeah, yeah. It's uh the where where it sits. It's kind of it's almost like a um it's almost like a trailhead almost. So there like there are a couple spots in the actual aid station area where you could park if you were going to. It's like a camping. You're not it's not even camping. It's like a picnic area. Maybe is a better way to say it. Um. So yeah, it's kind of just a big open space. Um. So easy to easy to get in and out. And they just have. I mean, the hospitality of people from the South and Southeast is just, I mean, they're just such warm people. So yeah, for uh, sure. It, it's uh yeah, a lot of beautiful souls, man, in those age stations. So yeah, it was great. Um, I mean, I, I hardly take anything from aid stations. Usually I kind of pack everything. The other thing I would say, like, this is a good moment to mention that they, because it's a, a loop, um, several of the aid stations, almost most of the aid stations, you can have a drop bag. And so mm-hmm. I put, I put most of my stuff in those drop bags. So when Ross would show up, he would just get my drop bag and have it, have my stuff ready. Cause I, I, my wife and I just, just stumbled onto that method several years ago that, okay, let's have all the drop bags there. That way, if it, there's a flat tire or something that happens, like I can kind of keep going or whatever. So the, the drop bags is, is huge key and it's just less for the crew to carry. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, I that I highly recommend that method of use drop bags no matter what. Even if you're if you have crew, that way the st- stuff is just there waiting for them to pick up. And then and it's so interesting. Them, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to hear you say that because you're the second person that I've talked to that has saw oh, that. Nice. I, yeah. Another guy, um, he's like, oh yeah, I put a drop bag at every one I can because if my wife yeah. doesn't make it or my crew doesn't make it, I got everything I need. And then when I leave, they pick it up and they take it with them. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, from, for me, it's like, if, if his drop bag has been gone through, then I was too slow. <laughs> I, I don't think that that would happen, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, no, it's good to know, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, just for in case of emergency flat tire, who knows, whatever. Like now, if I got to two eight stations and my wife wasn't there twice in a row, then I would probably freak out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, or if a friend wasn't there, but still, um, I mean, stuff happens, man. Like particularly, yep. the, I mean, there's a lot of gravel roads and stuff out there. Like um, you never know when you might lose a, you know, flat a tire or something. So that's that's how i roll with with races i, I like to use take advantage of them and and the other tip that i always give people is like i my drop bags i get those soft those relatively inexpensive soft-sided coolers from like target or walmart oh so like it's like the little lunch bag type things yep. so they're not they're not huge but they're a little bit insulated a little bit padded so like uh and just big enough to throw like you know, a shirt and a pair of socks and a buff and a bunch of gels in or whatever. So, you know, depending. So I have a few different sizes. I have a couple of bigger ones that are maybe would hold a case of beer or, you know, some yeah. that hold a six pack, you know, those kinds of things. And you could find those for like five to 10 bucks each, you know, like in it. Oh, I'm sure. I've actually, anytime I'm at, a, I'm at a Walmart, I'll peek at like the clearance aisle or whatever. And I've found numerous of them for like a buck 50. So I like, you know, you know, some, some of my drop bags are a buck 50. Um, and they're soft sided insulated, hard to beat. It worked. Yeah. That's my, worked. that's my crew, that's my crew pro, that's crew pro tip. <laughs> soft, soft sided, soft sided lunch bag. Well, it makes it really easy for the crew too, cause he's already, you know, uh, metered out all of his gels and all of his, you know, everything he's going to want at that aid station based on his calories that he's consuming and whatnot. So for me, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going through the bag trying to make sure that I have all the right stuff. Like we prep that ahead of time. Uh, yes. It's a, it's a great system. Love it. Yeah. No, that's, that's really smart. I appreciate that offering that tip up. Cause yeah, like I said, you're the second person that I've ever heard say they put something at every yeah. single one, even though they have yep. crew. So no, that's, yep. that's really smart. So, well, cool. So let's, uh, let's move on from Peter's. Yeah. And I think the next one. That's the party station. Blue Heron. Partying station. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that's where they'll, for me, I was going to say, for me, I I hit two little aid stations between there. Um, You know, there was no, you know, just they were pure aid stations, again, because of the remote nature. Like, and the the thing I'll say quickly about the race is that if you're the clockwise course, um, you know, you're on kind of the western part of the, of the route. Uh-huh. That I mean, between Peters and Blue Heron on the western part of the route, there's nothing out there. It's gravel roads, some houses, some ran- some farms, but like there's no convenience stores. There's no towns. There's no gas stations. There's nothing from like that. You know, from Peter, or actually from the start finish, really, all the way to Blue Heron. If you go the western route, like northwest. Okay. Route. There's okay. hardly anything out there. So like, you're going to want to make sure you're gassed up. And like, I was just going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, once you get to Blue Heron, there's a town called Stearns, just, you know, just outside of Blue Heron. And there's all the stuff, you know, okay. grocery stores and Walmart and McDonald's, whatever, you know, it's a fast foodie, you know, type town, but, um, but there's hardly anything out there. So for me, um, it's a beautiful part of the course. There's a, 
kind of there's this longest the longest stretch of gravel road is kind of through there so a bit of up okay. and down so that's uh but it's still through trees and stuff and the the way the race directors route it there's no driving where the runners are running so if there's a car out there it's not it's not a it's it's either a race official vehicle or a local you know because they route everybody away from those roads um for 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 crew and pacers and stuff so um so yeah but it's a beautiful stretch so ross um getting from those two uh how did you did you go yeah you go started route i went uh, yeah i went around the western side um there's a I don't don't remember exactly the highway that's around there, um, but I went up and around, um, and yeah, like as much as there's nothing there for for the runners, there's there's nothing there, but for yeah. horse farms and and <laughs> uh, and bro. So I used their I used their waypoints. I used the waypoints on their website, and it it said it's about a thirty mile drive, and it takes about an hour. Yeah, I I would say that that's reasonably accurate um okay it took me it took me a little longer um even without stops uh okay mostly because there were there were a lot more cars from there mm. um i don't know if it was leaf peepers or or what yeah, yeah. but um you know there were some really slow moving vehicles along there <laughs> um <laughs> which you know for somebody who enjoys driving on windy mountain roads um you know i had to stop and take some pictures at one of the, one of the bridges that, you know, you could go down to the river. Um, so I stopped and let some, some cars get well and far ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a good, it was a good loop though. Like it didn't, you know, it's not, it's not too far that you need to go get more gas. Uh, no, no. Fine. Uh, for sure. If you're gassed up in the morning, but the, yeah, the drive is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. rock outcroppings that you're driving by and the, the leaves and everything since it's in the fall, they were just these beautiful stuff. Yeah. I can imagine it's a beautiful time of the season yeah. too. Yeah. To be up there with, with the colors changing and everything. So, okay. Yeah. Even, uh, at one of the, so one stop to turn, um, there was, I was stopped there and I was looking at my map just to make sure I was going the right way. And another guy pulled up and he was like, do you know how to get to blue heron from here? Um, cause I don't think he had any map and there was no service. There's no cell service. Oh, that's another, good no point. cell service up there. Like I had everything downloaded on my phone. So crew top tip, download everything or print it. Uh, he had no idea where he was going. It was a good thing I was there cause he was going to take a left and that would have taken an hour in the wrong direction before we figured it out. So, um, oh, right. um, yeah, but that was, yeah, that that's really, I mean, most of most of the aid stations, you know, Peter's mountain actually had some service. I, I had service there, but I didn't have service getting. Yeah. And I think it was because it was a little higher up. Uh, but everywhere from there to blue Heron, I didn't have service. There was wifi at blue Heron, but along the way, just make sure everything's downloaded. Okay. Yeah. You definitely want to find maps on Google or, or Gaia or. Yeah. Yeah. So, so top crew tip, download your maps. That's this. That's really important. I mean, we've kind of figured that out just in general from from all the races that I've ran. Um, and you know, one perfect example is the Mogian Monster. You're up on the Mogian. Oh, you don't have any zero oh, race, and you better get gas. They screwed that uh, last year too, and that same thing. It was like I did not. I had not downloaded them, and so I was very dependent on the handwritten directions that they had in the in their racers manual. So, 
Um, yeah, so Blue uh, Blue Heron is it's an old it's a it's an old mining camp. So it was a spot where they would um, oh, wow. bring coal from they would bring coal from one side of the river to another, and okay. kind of we actually ran on like what was remnants of old train tracks at points like there's a kind of they'd carved out it's like a weirdly flat spot on the and the you know on the in those hills you're like oh this was this used to be there used to be train tracks here uh yeah you can see that no room yeah Yeah, but it's um so it's uh uh and traditionally the race goes across this giant tip it's called a tipple bridge which is where they would actually use carts to like cart you know there's old kind of mining carts they would cart coal back and forth across the river and so it's, it's actually an iconic moment in the race where you run across this bridge. You can see up and down the river and the gorge and all that stuff. So we uh, we were near group camp on the two nights before the race and stopped by to say hey to Brian. And the National Park Service had told them that that bridge did not pass inspection, and they had to uh, they weren't runners weren't going to be allowed to cross it. So really, re- there was yeah a day and a half before the race, and he's like, <laughs> oh my lord. So, but the park service was super cool about it. They um they actually stretched a a, a line across the river that okay. right off of right really close to the bridge is what used to be the old where you would ford the river with your horse, okay, you know carts and stuff. So it, there's a really low spot in the river, so it wasn't even wasn't even knee deep. It was like shin deep mostly, uh, but still, um, it kind of changed the route of the course. There was a sucky descent down to the river and then that meant a sucky climb back down the river like like one of those kinds of descents where it's actually slower to go downhill than it is to like hike uphill because it's again you know softball volleyball size rocks you know just steep you know a little muddy because everybody's wet feet you know coming off yeah, for sure so it was it was a little harrowing on that side so um but it's a uh, the, so then once you cross the river, you do a loop on the other side of the river. So there's a loop in the Blue Heron kind of park. It's about okay. six miles. So you have a loop within the loop. And so you hit that aid station twice. And it's like luxurious accommodations because there's almost like a concession stand. Giant billow standing oh, Wi-Fi. And like they're cooking food and hot food and they're on Wi-Fi. Like they there's Wi-Fi for the racers. There's Wi-Fi for, yeah, there's someone running social media again this year. Like, Okay. Um, awesome. So it's super like, and there's like indoor bathrooms where you can like run water and wash your hands and wash your face and clean your bottom, whatever you got to do. Like it's lunch. I, I've, I've only been in one other race where there's like running water. During. He was so happy. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> so, and it comes at a great spot too. Cause it's so, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like 34. So, so Ross, I'm assuming with the, with the, Luxurious amenities <laughs> that Gary had. You're just, you're just in heaven. You're going to be in house. Now, he at the finish. He came in uh, along with most people going, man, now my feet are wet and I got to run this loop. <laughs> but they had, you know, I, I call it the park yeah. aid station because, you know, you see them twice and you, everybody is hanging out okay. there. Like everybody. I saw, um, you know, uh, first place uh, woman come through in third place. Like she was in third place at the time, but she was coming through going to a loop when I got there and then saw her going out. Um, it was, it was really fun. We, um, and talking to the crews, everybody got their chairs out and hanging out. Um, and there's, yeah, so much parking. And there's plenty of parking, parking, easy, parking out. Um, you know, and, and plenty of, plenty of space along where they're running to, to set up, you know, for, for crew, 
Um, they had tons of hot food and all sorts of good stuff yeah. there. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Gary was very nice. happy with That's me awesome. running water. Like it was a spirit lifter. Yeah. Yeah. I feel clean. Hey, it's no joke. That's that's no joke. That is a luxury for sure. That's like her. It's uh, a touristy spot. Like there, some of the path is like the asphalt path, but then you do get into some more single track. And there's there are a couple of like big because of those rock formations I was talking about. You actually run through this thing called Crack of the Rocks, where like okay. I mean, the mountain was literally split open. Oh, okay. You you do you climb up this you climb up a ladder, like a ladder bridge or something. Yeah, you climb up a giant ladder and kind of go okay. through the rocks. And you go down a ladder, and so there's several these big rock things. And wow. so that you know, it's it's a cool loop, but it is. I mean, it's just like the rest of the route, it's it's not easy. It's it's a, it's a tough loop, um, and it's equally tough either direction. Like it, it, one direction isn't isn't better than another, but. But from a crewing standpoint, like that place is a dream because yeah. you can just set up camp and be there for several hours oh, yeah. and just like, and everything's kind of good to go. Uh, for sure. Then, um, and, but then the, the going clockwise in particular, like that's, if you're a mid to back of the, can I crewing? He, he rolls off into an hour. Then I go to sleep. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So from. So from Blue Heron, yeah, Andy, all the way to Bay Creek is in the morning. So on the, he he left me at okay. um oh man I don't even know what time it was um off the top of my head but it was it was dark it, yeah yeah it, it was just not dark I mean it, it was, was on fully dark you were on a good you were on a reasonable pace he picked up okay. some time around around the loop and he was going off into the night and I was pretty confident um but I knew you know next time I was going to see him was a long time and here. Blue Heron was back to where we were staying. It's a half drive. It took me an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and it's just windy back country roads in the dark. Um, so again, with no service and <laughs> you need to download the map. Okay. There's, there's that one town, Oneida, I think I went through on the way back um, where there's service and stuff. But, you know, when he, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. he went off into the night, it yeah. was night. time for me okay. to go sleep and be ready to see him in the morning. Yeah, for sure. The so, other thing I was... so Ross, you you left you left Blue Heron and you went back to the Bardiso. Yeah, well, for a little bit. I'll, let me let me give you Bandy. Let me give you what actually happened. Okay, I left. I went and I drove. I got food while I was driving back because it was it was reasonably late. I got back to the cabin and I was like, okay, looking at his his timings, right? Because he's got his. Um, when he's going to be at these aid stations and calculating based on, you know, what his pace is and everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm and I'm going to get up okay. um, around five just to check and see, you know, if he's gone, like when he went through these aid stations. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had a little, I woke up and I, I looked at the, the no business site to see, you know, when he came through and he hadn't been through yet. So he was getting very close to couples. So as, as crew, I'm, oh, wow. Hey, I'm freaking out wondering, you know, is he going to make it? Yeah. Cause in the night at, at, I think Duncan hollow, you can, you could pick up a pacer. Yeah. So they'd let you, you couldn't go there as crew, but you could have a pacer. Okay. You got there. Um, 
Yeah. Yep. Which it's like a, you drive a four mile hike in yep. if you want to pace though. Four mile hike really? in mile six to five yeah. for them. Um okay. and it would be in the you know, in the dead of night. So Wow, so for for pacers getting into Duncan Hollow yeah. in the clockwise you got yeah. a four mile warm up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you were, I mean, you were allowed to double up Pacer at Blue Heron if you wanted to. Like, okay. and if you could, and a rule change they did this year was you could pick up a Pacer just to do the six mile loop because the pacing legs are actually quite long otherwise. And so Brian, the race director, the race directors wanted to make it so that if, if there was someone who didn't want to sign on for a 30 mile outing, like they could do, do a six mile loop. Um, so you could have a Pacer for the loop, you know, the six mile loop, um, or, you know, they could join you there and go all the way to the finish if they wanted. So, um, okay. so blue, you can't get a pacer blue heron, but then at Duncan, you can get a pacer yeah. if they're willing to kind of hike in. Um, so, and it's like, it's gravel road. Yeah. Like you can hike in. It's basically, you know, well, and, and I talked to several, not hard, several of the crew who were pacers and they were going to be picking people up at blue heron. Or not at Blue Heron, sorry. At Duncan Hollow, they were going to go there because they did the loop right. with them at uh, okay. at Blue Heron, and then they were going to let them go, and then they were going to go pick them up again um, at Duncan Hollow. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that did all know about that, that long of a walk into it? or Yeah. It's one of the best. It's, well, as well, I'll say, it's one of the, from yeah. a crew standpoint, they're one of the best put together races with the best notes that I've seen. Like, it's so good. It's the, their crew guide is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's right on par with, I don't know, um, Ross, if you're familiar with uh, Rocksteady running here in Minnesota, yeah. they put on the superior. You need to do that one so I can show them around. I mean, that's a while up there. Um, yeah, Gary, you got to come up and do this one. I've I've never done it. It's just because it kind of falls in line with some of my races out west. But I think this year, now that I've got, I mean, if I get into Hard Rock, I'm definitely going to try to get in on it. But yeah, it, Rock City Running has a probably one of the best crew and pacer books that they've. I mean, it's it's awesome. Even even out here where I live, the Afton 50k. I mean, it's just spot on. It's it's awesome. And when I was reviewing this one, it's the same thing. These these race directors are really putting a lot of heart and soul into these because they know that it, how important it is for for the runners to have that support and have the crews and everybody else. I mean, I I've heard stories of back in the day. They're like, I don't know, I just got to get to this aid station, you know, you know, quarter part updated, or it's hey, turn left at the post. And I I yeah. think there's. I think there's one, I think it's the Badger. They talk about wet corn sign or something. So, so a little no business history. So Brian and Shelley, when they started the race, it started and finished at Blue Heron that you would like finish running across the oh, okay. bridge. You know, okay. Uh, but McLennan. Um, yeah, but they changed the start finish because getting like, it's a little that's even further from airports. So it's a little hard to get to. And okay. the group camp area, like all the advantages of that group camp down at Pickett, like for the camping, for the facilities, for the bunk houses, for like, Smart. it, it just makes, it makes way more sense for it to be there. Um, yeah. so, so anyways, um, 
yeah, so Blue Heron, the other thing I was going to say was uh, heading out of there. Like, I... I underestimated the cold. So because of the because of the river crossing, they allowed for a drop bag at Leadbetter, which is the first eight after Blue Heron. And okay. um, uh, and I, I only put a change of socks in there. Um, in okay. hindsight, that was a massive tactical error. I should have used the... Because I, I had a big drop bag at Duncan Hollow. I should have put all of that warm clothing and stuff I had at Duncan at Leadbetter because because of the river crossing and because of the temperatures and it's just a, a humid, wet kind of a mm-hmm. cold. Like mm-hmm. I was, I got, uh, I got very cold between Blue Heron and, and Leadbetter. So when I stopped to change my socks, like I'm stopped and I was just shivering, like oh man, because I'm just because I'm not moving, like I could barely get my socks on. I had to I had to deal with some blisters. I had to put grease on my feet, all this kind of stuff. So like I took way too long to change my shoes of lead better, um, and kept, you know kept moving. And I just was just cold enough that like if I slowed down to try to eat, I would start shivering. But if I was hiking uphill, I would be warm. But I can't. I don't eat well trying to go uphill because I'm breathing too hard. Like, you know, so it was just this, like I was in this dangerous catch 22. So the stretch between Ledbetter and then Laurel Hill, like I came in at Laurel Hill aid station, asked how much time I had ahead of the cutoff. And, um, they were like, Oh, it's, it's about an hour. I was like, Oh, great. But then I realized the stretch between Laurel Hill and Duncan is nine miles. And it is the roughest part of the course, like without a doubt some super yeah. steep ups and downs and i was like and by the time i left laurel hill again i had to eat i had to get warm because i was too cold like i left laurel hill holding like a thing of ginger ale and a thing of mashed potatoes just shaking like violently barely able to get it down and i i had i had a, a like a couple of solid minutes of like is this like am i putting myself actually in danger for hypothermia because i did not I was like, this, this is risky. Like, cause I, like, I was afraid of getting the, the margin that I had between Laurel Hill and Duncan eaten up cause I was moving slow and I was cold and it was hard. So I was like, I had a moment of like, do I need to pull my own plug? And I didn't, um, but I would not have criticized anybody, including myself for walking back. Cause like, I mean, one bad thing's happened. Like, and I had an emergency blanket on me. Yeah, yeah. There's other, there are other runners out there, but I was pretty far at the back of the pack. So it could have been a, like, it was a little risky to actually go on, honestly. Um, but because that stretch is a long, hard stretch, the stretch between Laurel Hill and Duncan Hollow is one of the crux stretches of the race. Like it's, it's hard and it's long. And so got to Duncan Hollow, um, you know, yeah. lost it to, like, so I got there with about 20 minutes ahead of cutoff. Yeah. Lelkin about ten, left about ten minutes ahead of cutoff because I again I had to get I had to get myself right. So if I didn't yeah yeah if I'd, if, I'd, if I'd have gotten myself fully right and led better with warmth and everything, I think I'd have been better set up. But that just set up uh, from Duncan Hollow. I was it was chasing cutoffs from there on out. So I had a seven mile thing, almost eight to Grand Gap, which is the next aid station. So mm-hmm. yeah, you you hit four aid stations between Blue Heron and and Senior Crew again. And for me came up. Yeah, it, it became a fight for my life. Like <laughs> to Ross's now. I was stoked that he left. And it meant oh, that I didn't I, didn't have to get to Bandy as early as I had, yeah. had thought. 
but then I couldn't go back to sleep because I was worried. <laughs> he was right. He was struggling. So, yeah, first her. Right. Yeah, and and that actually so tactically, like I don't know if I even said this to Ross, but like. So when I booked my VRBO, I booked it a little further where it is on this side of the course because it's a little closer to Jamestown, a little closer to the start finish. Yeah. Because I knew like he would only have like a 15 yep. minute drive to Bandy. Like it, yeah. where our show was, like knowing awesome. that after the night was over, my crew would just have a short drive. So, and and in the other year in 2020, I booked our B&B over by Oneida because my wife left Bandy, you know, Right. That's the last time she saw me. She saw me and, you know, she only had like a 10 minute drive to the B&B before going to sleep. And it was a longer drive in the morning up to Blue Heron. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I intentionally stayed where I stayed each year to think about my crew and where they're going to be sleeping. So, okay. No, that's, that's good to know because some people might not think of that if they're running. Yeah, you know they may be well, opposite of where they stayed or or something. Even, yeah, yeah. even if you're staying at the putting the crew out a little bit, go to Bandy in the morning. Yeah. You know that that's probably a 35 minute at the most kind of drive because I think it it took me about 20 minutes to get to Bandy from okay. your stand. Yeah, so it wasn't it was not far at all. Um, oh, did it okay. real easy. Okay. But Bandy, yeah, Bandy is an aid station for for crew. So this year we weren't allowed to park on the grass. Apparently, in years past, they were allowed to park on the grass. So, uh, and I don't know going forward if you'll be able to park on the grass. But there's only like maybe 15 parking spots that are close to where they had the aid station, and everything else was mm. like you had to park across the field in a parking lot that's over by the visitor center. Um, so they were letting people drop off their stuff, go park, and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a it it made it easy. It, okay, it's a walking. That's um, but no no big deal as far as crew goes. And there's a ton of space all along that trail. It's really really easy. Yeah, yeah, and the aid station is set up at like kind of a, one of those big picnic covered areas where there's like 20 picnic tables underneath the big altar and stuff. So there's tons of room. And again, they have Wi-Fi set up. Like they, they partner with a community telecom company in, in the area so that there's Wi-Fi at these things. So that's self-serving of them. So they have communication for, for the Wi-Fi though, you have to be very close to, um, uh, you know, so, where they're doing food and stuff where I was, where I was sitting, I couldn't get on the Wi-Fi, so right. I, I didn't really need it at that point. But you can get it. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no. the 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 Bandy the Bandy Creek Aid Station. It looks like there's like there's a swimming pool there. I mean, was any of yeah. that stuff available or open? Or... Oh, yeah, not for us. Um, okay. I mean, it's it's kind of post season for them in that sense. Like it's yeah. it's essentially part of the National Park Service. So it's a national recreation area, so it's like being in a national park. Um, so there's a giant campground, there's a pool, there's a sand volleyball court. Like there's, I mean, there's a tennis court and thing. Like there's all kinds of stuff right there. Okay. Oh, I just lost. Um, yeah, we'll let him dial back in. So from that from that perspective, is it is it something where because you know, I've got an eight-year-old son that sometimes likes yeah. along on these. Is there a thing yeah, yeah. for for the younger kids to 
kind of do. I mean, it's not like it's not like taking kids up to Mogion right. trying to enter yeah, yeah. the entire race, you know. No, I mean, there's yeah, there's a gosh, yeah, like I mean, they could run around a play. There, there might even be a playground there. I, if I remember correctly, uh, okay. Oh, Ross just sent me a text saying he lost his internet, so he'll hop back on with his phone or something here. So, yeah, um, no um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's there there would that'd be a great spot to have a kid, honestly. Like, okay, your aid station and, and blue hair, and he is the same. Like, I mean, there's so much room to play. Okay. Or rocks in the river or whatever. Like it's it's uh nice. it, it's Peters would be rough, but like the other eight stations are actually super kid friendly, I would say. So Okay. Uh, cool. We'll uh, I'll give Ross a few minutes here to jump back on. So Yeah. Um No, that's just this looks like a, a fantastic race. I mean, I've been reading about it and and yeah, I might have to get out there and do this one soon. Yeah. It's um it's a beautiful area. They're building a pretty phenomenal community. Ross, I'm assuming that's you. You're back. Are you back? Yes, I'm back. Can you hear me? Great. Yep. yep. Loud. Yep. Clear. Okay. So, um, yeah. So my leaving Duncan Hollow began a uh, 15 plus hours of surfing, uh, surfing the cutoffs. So I got to Grand Gap um, again. Okay. Another non-crew accessible point mm -hmm. um not long after sunup that stretch of course you actually run along the edge of the gorge and like you kind of see out in there but it was uh it was all covered in cloud uh when we were running through at that time of morning okay. but um got there with like that the grand gap cut off was a soft cutoff meaning um i mean if you were egregiously over it they would pull you but i was moving well so i got there like two minutes past cutoff they let me they let me go forward uh, okay, so then I'm hustling as you know as much as I can hustle with yeah, yeah, seven sure. miles on my legs to Bandy Creek, and um, so I get about a mile outside. I wasn't even a mile outside, and Ross was like, "What's well, <laughs> so, You gotta go." I, I gotta go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. At the and I was looking at the time, and there was like 15 minutes. I was like, "I'm gonna go down the trail." Mm -hmm you know, seven minutes for me, you know, I'm a 260 pound, uh, six foot man yeah. who does not run. And I was going to go out and wait for him. <laughs> so I went out about 10 minutes, uh, down the trail for me and waited for him. Okay. And like watch the clock. And he's, he's with a group of people, um, that are just, they, yep. they didn't look, they didn't look good. They were cutting a lot. They weren't, they didn't look good. <laughs> They were, they were, they were moving. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I told them the ultra shuffle. Good. But I didn't tell them the truth because that's what you do when you're a good, you're a filthy liar. And so, God, yeah, you know, tell them they're, they're moving great, you know? And then I was like, you got to hustle. We got to move. The, the cutoff is in like <laughs> eight minutes or something. So then, yeah, we, we, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, got him to hustle up to that aid station so i i took off yeah i took off a bit um because i knew i was going to be close like but it's like it's such a mind game at that point of like i've just worked my ass off to make yeah. it cut off and now i have to figure out some way to like it happened to like i have to do it again like i worked my butt off to get the grand gap barely made it mm -hmm. okay now how do i do it again okay yep. got the bandy one and, like I so I one minute just fair one minute 
Go ahead. Oh, one minute. Wow. So I ran across the mat, like okay. sat down, like I needed to change shirts, I needed to change shoes, and I needed to grab my nutrition. Like, yeah. all, like I spent all this money on these night, these expensive, fancy sports drinks. All I wanted was ginger ale. So I was like, Ross, I don't want any of my drink mixed. Fill this bottle up with ginger ale. I'm ginger, ginger ale, like so nasty and, and sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. And then see, it's like, <laughs> no, I took, I. There's something about that, though, that just sounds so good 70 miles oh. off into a race. Buns with two slices of Kraft American cheese process. Uh, that was, oh, uh, so anyway, so like I'm, I cross the math and like, I'm changing shoes. I'm doing everything as fast as I can. Cause I know yeah. like I got to go. And like the rate that the aid station captain is like, you have to, you have to leave. I'm like, I, I'm 90, 90 seconds. I'm like, you know, she's like, you have to leave. I'm like 30 seconds. Like, so it was like, wow, it was, it was all this nice stuff that they have these it, stations. I did and not let's, take any, let's just go, go back here for a minute. Like this is the morning. I know that he's going to be coming in a little later, a little closer to the cutoff, even before I'd gone down the trail and all that stuff. But I went to McDonald's I got him sausage McMuffin with eggs, some hash browns. They're all hot. I had some mashed potatoes that like, I had a bunch of stuff ready for the guy. And and he didn't get to have any of it. I didn't have to. I felt so bad. I didn't get to have any of it. So I thought I, I felt bad for you. Like I was like, Austin, all this super nice stuff for me. Brought me all this hot food and like there's literally no time. Like no time. I gotta roll. She was like, You have to get out of here before anybody sees you. And so like, um, so she uh the race she's actually uh yeah. she's uh your meal, okay? Yep, we're good. She's uh, the re- one of the regional Hoka reps who runs that aid station. She was very, very kind. Um, and we had a spoiler. I finished, so we had a big old uh, hug. I think I can't remember if we hugged. We had an exchange at the finish line because she got me out of there. Um, yeah, so I had to take off again and, and had to figure out some way to just keep hammering as hard as I could to the next aid station. So, okay, next one is it? The next one is. Uh, was not crew accessible um, up at Cherit Creek. Cherit, yeah. And so super hard. Like there's a couple, like th- that is really, again, a couple hard climbs. Um, I was going to say that's the crux of the race, but there's so many crux of the race. It's ridiculous. Like it, there's, it's, it's relentless. So got to eight, got to, I gained five minutes back on the eight there. So I got, I, I had like five or seven minutes. Wow. Okay. And uh, you're moving on. Like, but still, like, I'm, like, I'm, I, I have no, I, I, I wasn't, I, I intentionally kind of pulled myself away from my watch, um, uh, to just mm-hmm. kind of be present. So, like, I'm within, you know, a couple hundred yards of the eight station, because I, I had done, I've been there before, I knew I was close, so I just started yelling, runner coming, runner coming, they, like, just to, like, let them yeah, know, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm moving, so, again, re- refill the bottle with ginger ale, and, you know, hustle on out. So, um, got through there. And then the next one was sawmill. So sawmill is crew accessible. Um, the rock. Yeah. So getting there. And that's not, that's not too far from Bandy Creek. I mean, that's only, well, I guess it's a little bit. I mean, he says about a 40 line of drive. That seems, that seems long. Um, it, it takes a while to get there. Uh, once you get to the parking though, I, I think, uh, 
it was, yeah, it's probably, it's probably 30 to 40, 40 at the maximum. Um, if you're stuck behind the leaf, okay. uh, but the for sawmill that you park at, uh, a, like a, a horse trailer drop-off area. And then as crew, you had to walk about a mile to where the aid station was because so the, the, mile. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the runners go on the road um, for part of that and there's no parking in between. Oh, there. right, right. So that's what they had. Oh, gotcha. I booked and I hauled everything, including my Adirondack chair uh, up there because it's a plastic Adirondack chair. <laughs> but because I was going to be there for a minute waiting for them. And uh, we clicked it from the VRBO. Damn. Yeah. It was great, actually. <laughs> So is this is this road is this road accessible? I mean, like with a with a little pull car. So if somebody, I mean, is it would it be an idea to I have mean, a cart with you? Would like, yeah, for your carrying bags on my shoulders. Um, a cart would be would be yeah. great. Um, yeah, the okay. There are spots to park up there, and there were some people parked there. Um, but that was mostly the aid station okay. people, and I think some. Since it was later, okay. uh, when I was there, people had brought their stuff up and then walked back to get their car and then come pick their stuff up after their runner was gone because we were basically close to the the cutoff gotcha. time, yeah. uh, which is what I ended up doing. But okay, the, the end station itself uh, was plenty of space. Yes, no no service. Yeah. Okay. Once again, and <laughs> yeah, no service. No, no, not there. Okay. And to be clear, I was DFL at this point. Um, so I was yep. dead last. So gotcha. I, I passed some people coming into Chariot and they left Chariot, but turned around and went back. I'll talk to them later. Um, they did not, okay. they did not finish. Um, and then I passed one guy who knew he was blown. He knew he wasn't going to make the cutoff and he was just going to, he was hold on. He was calling it. He, yeah. Yeah. He was done. So I'm DFL. So I'm again, hustling along and like. You know, I knew I how much I knew I had like two hours or whatever. I can't remember what the time was okay. between the two, but um, oh, side complete side story about half a mile outside of Bandy, this woman had fallen and like cracked her nose and was bleeding like crazy, and this guy stopped down. No. This guy, this guy stopped to help her, and I was like, I'm completely conflicted because like I'm like, do you guys need anything? Do you need any help? And he's like, I got her, and you're good, and so like. It was hard to leave that scene because, like, she's kind of wrecked. He's kind of wrecked. And he didn't have much of his race for this woman. Like, and I was like, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. Hats off to you. And hats off to him. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, he ended up missing the cutoff at Chariot, which is really unfortunate. But, um, so I'm spleening myself out to get from Chariot to Sawmill. And it's, it's a, it's a hiking area. So there are lots of signs where it's like you'll come to a junction. It's like, this such and such fall, you know, 1.6 miles this way, such and such cave, you know, eight, tenths of a mile this way. So I come to the sign and it's like, it shows two different directions. It's like a four-way intersection at the sawmill trailhead this way. And it didn't even have any mileage. So I was like, oh, I'm there. So like, I'm mm -hmm. super excited. And then I keep going and then I keep going. And then I keep, it was like a mile and a half or more from where there was a sign that said trailhead. Like, okay. Like, so I'm just like now like running as hard as I can to make sure I get there. Cause I know I, I could tell from my watch, I started paying attention to my watch that I'm like up against it. So again, I, I knew the area a little bit. So I come up on this one spot where I see some people waiting and I was like, 
is this it? They're like, no, you got to go a little more. So I start yelling, runner coming, runner coming. And the aid station captain is out on trail a little bit. He sees me. He's like, you're good. And I was a little over on that one, I think. I would think I was a couple minutes over, but they let me through. Um, so I go and rock again. It's like, I want this particular gel and fill up my thing with ginger ale, and I'm gone. Like, I didn't, ginger ale. The only, the only thing I wanted. Um, no, I don't want to cheese the game cheese sandwich. Uh, I had them with me, but I wasn't eating them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Because you wanted it. <laughs> I didn't eat any more cheese sandwich by the, by the time. That I got to tell you, when he, yeah, I was hopeful. When he came by that one, he was a little bit in the, you know, I've gone 90 miles. I'm an ultra runner and I am now a toddler brain. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> give me what I want. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. thinking well. Yeah. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, so. At that, no, it, 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 it comes in, and, and it, it's kind of a running joke that that we have. It's like uh, ultra runners are just terrible house oh guests. Goodness. They just come in, they throw all their crap on the ground, they demand a bunch of stuff, and they <laughs> yeah. leave. Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's <laughs> actually yeah, kinda, it's kind of awesome. But, um, that's actually, but yeah, <laughs> he was ready. Shout out to the other there, terrible house guests. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so. So I, um, uh, yeah, so, um, and then this, this stretch was only, only like five, five-ish miles and there was a good chunk of time. And so like, unfortunately though, like again, in my toddler brain, I think I let myself off the hook a little bit because again, I just worked so hard for the last mm -hmm. few hours. So like, I keep, I'm moving, but like a little slower, I I got a little off on my ginger ale slurping and my gel sucking down. And, um, so I get to, and there's just like, it's not like I, it is a gorgeous course, but I'm like, ah, oh, another giant rock cave. Uh, like, just like, I'm like, I, I was, I was over it at that point. Like you're over it. Well, a little warm. And like, and I'm DFL. Like I'm not, I haven't seen anyone for hours. Like I'm, you know, other than eight station. So I'm just like, I'm going along and there's a spot where like Ross came out on the trail a little bit and we kept moving. Okay. And I was like, I was pretty sure at this point I had it in the bag. And so Ross walked with me for a minute, which was super great, helpful. And then I kept going and I thought in my mind, again, I knew a little bit about the area. I thought I was on one road that I was not on. Oh. Um, and so I'm moving along and like, I'm, I, re I, I realized I have about half an hour and I was like, I am not where I think I am. So I, I had downloaded the route on Gaia on my phone. So I pull it up. And I was like, oh shit. So like I was almost two miles out. I was probably a little more than two miles out. With, okay. When, when you're moving at like 18 minutes mile, like I had to just start cranking. Like I cranking. I think I did like a couple of 13 minute miles, which is fast for me at that, at that point in the race. Yeah, absolutely. To just to just get there. And so leaving Sawmill, they're like, you got until 3.30. I was like, okay. Um, Ross gets to the next aid station, which is Pickett, and yeah. it's three fifteen. Like the cutoff is three fifteen. Okay. So I, I, you know, so I'm at Ross. I'm at, I'm at aid. Oh, oh no, like, no, no, no. Well, and, and Ross, you've only got you've only got like a ten minute drive to Pickett, right? I mean, it's right. like right. So yeah, I went around. There's a spot that they give. They tell you you can go um, spectate runners, right? And that's when I went up the trail. I went on the trail a while because I knew he needed some 
encouragement. So, and, and walked with him for that. But once, once we got back to the road, um, yeah, it's, it's a super quick drive over there and picket picket had okay. yeah, tons of parking, real easy, everything, super fast Wi-Fi, state park. Yeah, it's a state it's, park. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Real bathrooms. Okay. Good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and we got, so, but again, well, I got there and yeah. I put the stuff out where, where I was going to be. I knew he wouldn't need much, but they were like, all right, we got, we got about uh, 25 minutes until we close down. And I'm like, wait, 25 minutes means 315. That's not, that's not right. My, wait, what? my runner is coming in and thinking 330 is the cutoff. And they're like, oh no, it's, it's 315. I was like, well, they told him at Pickett that it was 330. They're like, well, if, if we can see him by the time it's 315, we'll let him go through. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Off. Wait, so, so, so Gary, you leave Sawmill and they tell you 330, but Ross, they're telling you yeah. 315, they're shining a dead. Pick it. Pick it. Yeah, that's what they said. Wow. So 15 minutes when your DFL is so, is significant. It's terrifying. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so I'm, I, I have the fear of God now because I realized I was further away than I thought. So I'm, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm running as hard as I can. Um, and like, run, I'm, I'm running up hills at this point, like, which I don't run up hills hardly ever, <laughs> but, uh, so like, I'm like, I'm finding this, whatever it is to get ginger ale, point, like the ginger ale. And so I'm, I'm cranking along and, um, the aid station captain himself had walked out quite a ways and he sees me moving. He's like, you're good. Just straight across the road. You're there. So I was like, good. And then I get a. And I don't know if you guys, I, that, that was the station captain who'd walked all the way across the road out to meet me. So they, you know, the other people working the aid station finally see me and Ross is like, oh, let it go, let it go. So again, it's another, like, there's no, there's no, there, there's no self-care. There hasn't been any self-care for 12 plus hours at this point. I'm chafed in some ways I've never been like, yeah. my, my feet are more shredded than they've ever been. Like I, I'm, there's no self-care, like you, there's no time. So again, I pull up, fill up the bottle with ginger ale. I take a couple of gels. I stripped, I, I stripped, I shed all weight that I had extra mm-hmm. and um, just smart off. And so there's like six miles to go or whatever from here. And four of it is actually in the park. And there's like, you, it's kind of a lot of the stuff we've been doing, like up and down ladders, you know, rough trail and stuff. And so I start like, again, I'm DFL, like I just, uh, after the fear of God I just had from hitting this, I was like, I'm leaving nothing to chance. So I knew 14-ish to 15-minute miles would get me there. So I just start cranking through the park and ended up passing like three or four people like who were also you know kind of in the death march towards the finish. And so then the last three or so are on a gravel road. So I knew if I got to the gravel road, if I cranked hard to the gravel road, I was good. And so I got to the gravel road and had like 40 minutes or maybe even more so i was like i think it was 45 so i'm like okay i'm good like gravel road i can manage that and so kept moving kept moving and then like then you kind of you see a long straight line of like the walking dead there at leadville that was my first 100 <laughs> and there's like this thing they called a boulevard and it does it just looks like i ran leadville on the wheel you know so like you just see these people just like shuffle along like zombies or something like so you're seeing these people i said this poor this one woman she was walking like things were chafed 
I, yeah. I felt so bad. I could just tell she was wrecked. And so, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I was, uh, I knew it was going to happen, but it's like, still you start like, oh man, like, and you're kind of waiting to see that final corner and wait to see the entry yeah. to, to group camp. So finally pop over a hill and could see the entrance to group camp. I was like, okay, it's going to happen. So, and they also, they increased the cutoff time of the race overall by 30 minutes due to the extra distance and river crossing. When, okay. Um, I, when I left Sawmill, I had a moment thought of like, I could make the original cutoff if I had to, but I didn't have to. So I didn't. Um, but still like, uh, so even getting it done in under three thirty three thirty was hard for me that year. Like I, you know, I did this thing on basically 30 miles a week, uh, train. It's about as fair minimum as you can do. Yeah. Um, in terms of training. Um, but, um, for a whole host of reasons, uh, that I could talk about, but, um, but yeah, coming across that line, finally, you know, I see Ross way up the way. Um, no, no hurry. <laughs> Ross. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. You're at the finish. Yeah. That's only a couple minute drive. Maybe it's, maybe it's last three. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those last eight stations, that direction feel yeah, it's, it's easy. It's super easy to manage. Tons of, tons of time. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you're, they had a, they had a little bluegrass band. They have food trucks, you know, there's all this, you know, the, the, it's, it's a great vibe at the finish line. They, they, do and, and sweet. And no, that's awesome. I mean, there were a ton of people still there for the, for the yeah. end of the race. I mean, it was golden hour. Yeah. Golden hour. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's getting, I mean, I started, you know, uh, Zion and, and then Leadville and the bear that year and all that. And, and seeing the, the golden hours, man, those are so fun. And I've actually yeah. talked to people who don't even know what golden hour is. And I'm like, Oh, oh man, you know, you got to stick around. Like you just gotta let it go. Down. You have to. Yeah, and that's and you know the winner, like the female winner. I I met her, got to know her last year a little bit. Her name's Lauren. You know, I think. Okay. Lauren something. Uh, her Instagram handle Lauren runs for girls. Like she, like the the winners are still around. We sat down right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of our you know free trailer uh buddies is a friend of his, and everybody's just it's a it's a great vibe. It's a great hang. Mm-hmm. I was. Smoke. Like I couldn't hang much longer, but, uh, uh, but so we didn't stick around too much longer, but it's, it's a great finish line. Uh, and, and again, such a well-run race. Like they just did a great job. So. so, so in all the races have you done, and I've only noticed this on a couple of them where they've brought in the food trucks. Wasatch had like, yeah. a coffee yeah. truck. Yeah, yeah. Food. They had like a couple of food trucks and I'm like, my wife and my son were like, yeah, we're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. We're just going to stay right yeah. here. And I come in and I'm like, oh, can you know get something to eat? So, are you seeing more and more races do this kind of thing with the food truck? Yeah. The way uh, the way no business is set up, like Brian and Shelly are really building a community there, and like that's so. Shelly even she she even said something like the volunteers are like taking on a life of their own. It's like. They have some crews who are like, this is our aid station and we're going to do what we do. And she's like, awesome. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so they, so the, the finish line, the finish line vibes at No Business are as good as any of it, as I've ever seen. And that's so like, awesome. Particularly from doing social media last year, I was there for 12 hours or whatever at the finish line from first to last. And um, it's just a great environment. And because 
because everything you need, like you can, bathrooms right there, you get the showers are out there, even if you're not staying there, like you could shower after race if you wanted to just hang and eat food and, yep. you know. So like, it's just kind of the gathering of the ultra tribe, hang it loose. Like, I wish I would have been in condition to hang longer. Um, yeah, we stay through sure. the awards and all that kind of stuff, but, um, but it's, it's a great deal. And so, yeah, Wasatch, I was there this year and like, it's again, it's such a great, it's a great vibe because it's a good, they thought through where the finish is to make it an environment. Correct. And hang around. Correct. So choosing a finish line area like that, I think is a huge thing for race directors. And I, I love when, like Wasatch is not like that. Wasatch is as old school as it comes. Like those, they're still, they don't, there's no computers. It's just guys with ham radios, laid the paper. Yeah. Exactly. And it's kind of the same. Those, those operators are unbelievably accurate. Yeah. And that's, there's a ham crew that has out in no business. Cause the first year, another little bit of no business history, getting O'Brien, he said, um, they tried to use like those spot trackers, like they use at hard rock and whatever. Uh-huh. And they, because of the trees, they don't work. And so like, no. there's more hassle, like the crews, crews were freaking out. Like eight stations had to spend more time handling terrified crews than they could runners because crews were yeah. freaking out because the spot trackers weren't working. Well, oh, great. Was a nightmare. We're done with that. We're done. No, that that's so good to hear. They've got such a good community and it's almost disheartening for me because I keep hearing about all these great race directors and I just want to go run all their races. Like oh, I met Jeremy with Daybreak out at Gorgeous. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna run every one of your races, and then yeah. Yeah, I hear about these guys, and I'm like, "Well, I want to go run your races." And yeah, yeah and I just know. Well, you know, we just need all. I think I I don't want to race anymore. I'm just gonna show up at the at the finish line at the end of the race and just hang out. Yeah. So I, I at the end of the race waiting for them, and when when my job is done, and there's there's food, and everybody is just happy because people are finishing. Like it, it's the best part. Yeah, I mean, the best part of the entire thing is to watch people yeah. who have been out there for yeah. thirty-three hours stumble across the finish line. So it, it's, and then the entire place celebrations the best art that you made of this great. That's nice and shallier. They're just crying. They have no voices left. They're you know it's. Well, and all these and all these race directors, I mean, they have such a such a big heart and a vested interest yeah. in each one of their races. There was at, at Uray this this past well this year, I'm laying in the middle of the field with a blanket on me. I've got a I've got a club soda and a banana. And Hollis, one of the assistant race directors for Charles, comes over and he lifts the blanket. He's like, "Do you need anything?" And I'm like, "Just a hug." <laughs> He's so. I mean, these guys are, and yeah, I mean, I've already signed up for, for your a and, and those guys specifically are the reason why I'm going a hundred percent. Yeah. So I want to go back. Like I, uh, I don't know if I need to do no business again. I haven't got the double buckle, but like, I love that race. I love Brian and Shelley. Like I want to go be out there at one of those remote aid stations in the middle of the night, like, yeah. like out there at Ledbetter, out there at Laurel Hill. Cause that is where. It is just like, that's where the real stuff happens. And I, yeah. I watched some people drop and I was like, it was heartbreaking. I sat next to a guy who was making the decision to drop as I was getting ready to leave Duncan, Duncan Hollow. And like the, the race director, the aid station captain there is, is the doctor that everybody calls him doc. Um, he's like, he's uh amazing guy. And he's offering this guy, like, I have this, like, you know, 
anti-inflammatory steroid to make your knees feel better. You're, you know, you can do it. You've got so much time and he's trying, you know, you see these guys working hard and, um, to try to get them to get out of there. But it's, uh, so I want to go, I want to go volunteer one in the middle of the night aid station, which is yeah. people out. Heck yeah, man. It's so, it's so fun to have so guys pure. It's so fun to roll into an aid station too with people. You have no clue who they are wow. and you, and you almost like your best friends with them. And they're so hundred percent. Yep. Well, guys, thank you so much for the conversation. I kind of want to yeah. end it on, um, from Ross, from your perspective on, on crewing this event in the clockwise direction on a scale from one to 10, one being the easiest, 10 being the most difficult event to crew. What, where does this rank uh, for you? I mean, not having to get up in the middle of the night to be at a middle of the night aid station definitely puts it on the easy end of the spectrum. Uh, but I think with, with okay. all the places where you're, uh, where you're carrying gear for, for a reasonable, reasonable distance, it gives you a little bit more. So I'd, I'd say it's probably about a three, about a three. One be, if one is the easiest, it's so it would pretty close to that, but you know, there's that one sawmill walk is, uh, a couple of challenges a little bit far. It's a tough hill. It's a hill to it. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Well, I'll give you guys the the stage just to, to offer up a, a couple uh, tips uh, to, to round this out. If there's anything else that we may have missed or any ideas that you've thought of to, to provide the listeners for some some info on this and some intel. No, I I would say my encouragement is definitely do it and and just like I mean, uh, Ro- once Ross got there, we didn't have a ton of time, but like I had a couple meals at like local restaurants in the town. Like being a part, of, like just being in the town, like sitting in the coffee shop in in Jamestown, like being a like being there and spending some money in the community is so it's so meaningful. Like I, I would uh, one of the reasons Brian and Shelley do this in that area is to just kind of raise awareness of this beautiful area and, and do anything they can to help the economic impact, uh, in the area. Cool. It's a hard, it's a hard hit area. So go and enjoy gotcha. it. Be a part of it. Yeah. I, I would say, uh, you know, from a crew perspective, you really do have tons of time. You know, even if, even if your runner is fast, you have plenty of time to get between the aid stations. Uh, you know, so okay. look around, like it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. And then when you're at the aid stations, yeah, like everybody wants to talk. So like, don't be, don't be shy. You'll have a good yeah. time. Like it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. Shout out to, yeah. to Mark, who was at awesome. the Peters aid station. Um, he was, he was a great fun guy to talk to. Okay. So it was a good time. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, oh, that sounds like, that sounds like a blast. Well, Gary, congratulations on your double buckle. Good job. Thanks, Thanks man. Awesome. Yeah. And Ross, yeah. nice work on, on getting him across that finish. So it's happened. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it a ton, guys. Well, there you have it. All things, no business. A huge thank you to Gary and Ross as they relive the event. And we hope this episode will provide some of you with all the valuable information needed in preparations for crewing this event in the clockwise direction. We appreciate Gary and Ross for allowing us to relive the experience that you can only get if you were there with shoes on the ground. A huge congratulations to Gary for snagging his double buckle. 
As always, if you have any additional feedback or comments, please let us know. You can visit us at www.ultracrewhub.com. We are also found on IG at Ultra Crew Hub. And again, thank you for listening.